Welcome back, everyone. This is The Prepared Mindset. I'm your host, Austin. And it has been, I was looking back at, you know, old uh, episode logs and things like that. It's actually been a fairly long time since we had a dedicated discussion around uh, everyday carry. And this has been something I've had a couple of you guys reach out and ask for me to talk on. Um, and it, it's a discussion, right? If you've listened to, you know, and uh, some of our earlier stuff, I admit, was a little bit rough to listen to when we were still finding our direction and finding our voice, uh, so to say, right? Uh, but if you've listened to the first uh, episode on this and then the second one that we did shortly thereafter, um, you know, I'm pretty sure we were still in like single digits or even double digit episodes uh, when we had those discussions. Uh, it'll be, a, you know, I'll throw in the context of what I carry every day and uh, also my thoughts on what's, you know, I've seen some other people carry um, some considerations, some thoughts behind why you, why you might want to make some certain choices, uh, might not want to make some certain choices. So uh, there's a lot to it. You know, when we talk about what you're carrying on your body when you leave your home every day, it can be vastly different person A to person B. Also, you know, how often you leave with, uh, you know, the world coming back from, uh, I'm not supposed to say the C word, right? But from coming back to normalcy, I'll just say that, right? Some people are hybrid working. So meaning you spend some days in the office and some days at home. Some of us are fully remote. We don't leave the house very often. We do for, you know, outings with friends, going to the gym, going grocery shopping, things like that. But for our work day and our our daily commute, it is drastically different drastically different now than what it was, say, three years ago, four years ago, uh, you know, seven years ago. Um, and that that determines a lot of what you carry, how you carry it, <clears throat> and the rationale behind, you know, what you chose, um, so many things, really. So we're going to get into a bunch of that. Like I said, I've had a couple of you guys reach out and ask me to do that. And it's kind of been at the back of my mind. So I figured it was a really good opportunity to sit down and share my thoughts on it. Because as we've spent so much time uh, on, on content and discussions and things around training with gear like night vision and suppressors and rifles and uh, plate carriers, all the good stuff, right? Um, which is awesome. Like, I know there's some people out there in the internet world that disagree with the notion of training in kit. Um, some are law enforcement or former law enforcement. Um, some are military or prior military. The ones that you should listen to will probably never discourage you from training in kit. They will just say, if you're going to do it, do it the right way. And don't, you know, don't, don't concede your training because of, uh, the kit that you're wearing, you know, do it the right way wait, if you're going to do it, do it right. So, um, we're going to jump into that before we do have to say thank you to our Patreon patrons. You guys, uh, just another, a couple short weeks here, um, before you guys will be seeing your free gifts from 100 concepts. I was actually having a, a discussion with a friend, um, about their scope cap pro that they've been teasing, you know, and they also have their, their, uh, cap for night vision that they're teasing. And, Guys, I know there's at least a couple more projects out there in the works that the team is working on trying to, you know, get them just perfect uh, before they release them to the market. So uh, if you guys want to check out our Patreon page, it's the best way to support the podcast. But also you do sometimes end up getting some uh, pretty sweet access to uh, some pretty cool uh, content as well as products from places like 100 Concepts. So those thank you gifts, right? Those aren't, you know, the members, the patrons aren't paying for those. Those are going out to them direct. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Check out what we got going on there. I've uploaded videos. We've got targets. We have drills. Uh, there's a bunch of different stuff going on there. Head on over, check it out, support all the cool stuff that we're you know doing here at Prepared Mindset. And uh, we appreciate it. 
but we are also, in addition to, you know, our awesome patrons, we're also a sponsored podcast here at Prepared Mindset. And we have some really cool companies that are gracious enough to support us. And I want to say thank you to them because without their support, without, you know, uh, their sponsorship, their partnership, their, uh, kind of running out of words here, but without them, we can't do as much as we do. So I need to say thank you to them. Um, first, huge shout out to Midwest Gunworks. Guys, if you are trying to upgrade a firearm, I know how frustrating it can be hunting around for parts, hunting around from you know one site to the next. Oh, I got to get a barrel here. I got to get a handguard there. I got to buy some stocks and furniture at this third site. You order everything, which means you pay shipping three times, which means you spend somewhere between probably 10 to $35 extra just on shipping because you have to go to multiple sites. Well, head on over to MidwestGunWorks.com. They stock all of those things. They even set up a discount code, prepared mindset, all one word, to save you 5% off your order. So when you have to go pick up this new barrel, a new bolt carrier group, you want to change up your stocks, your furniture, maybe you're looking to pick up an Edgar Sherman design sling, you can order all of it at once from them. As long as it says in stock, you guys, they have it, and they're going to be shipping it to you in no time flat. It's not like some of these internet retailers, they, they piecemeal it out to you, and they hold your money for you know 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and then, uh, whoops, we just refunded it, or you're just going to be waiting till it comes in. We didn't tell you it was backordered. They don't do business that way. They've been around since 1997, you guys. You don't make it that long unless you're doing stuff the right way. Again, head on over to MidwestGunWorks.com and let them take care of you. Also, thank you to HRT Tactical Gear. Guys, if you are looking for a plate carrier and you know, you've run the slick rig like I used to, right? And you're looking to step your game up or maybe you're in law enforcement and you're looking to buy something that's going to meet some standards for, you know, your your local agency, things like that. Check out hrttacticalgear.com. HRT actually used to be a training company as a as a bunch of end users who knew the requirements and the rigors of having good gear and how bad it can be when you have bad gear. So they actually ended up transitioning to a nylon company and have been just awesome. You guys, I have their load bearing adaptive carrier or their, their LBAC, uh, you know, features a Tigris cummerbund. Um, and it also has this really cool system built into it. It's kind of like a vest that spreads out the weight and everything. It is unlike anything else I ever experienced. I was actually kind of intimidated um, when I had to get it and set it up and size it up and resize it and get it just right for my body type and how I carry my gear and everything. But I'll tell you what, once I had it set up, it has been truly outstanding. And if you're looking for something a little bit more, I would say classical, their rack plate carrier is awesome. It's got the shoulder clip for breakaway. You can upgrade to, you know, tubes, cummerbund and things like that. You can get side armor through the website, all kinds of good stuff. In addition to all of their other offerings, their pouches, their placards, their dangler pouches, head on over to HRT, uh, HRT, I'm sorry, tacticalgear.com and check it all out. Also a huge shout out again to 100 concepts. You guys is a couple short weeks away when their scope cap pros are going to be released out onto the market. Don't miss your opportunity to grab one. If you're running an LPVO and let's be honest, most of us are because hashtag recce rifle. If you're running an LPVO, you're going to need this scope cap. Once you guys get a load of what's going on here and, and check it out, I think you're really going to dig it. Sign up for the mailing list. Make sure you're notified when that stuff hits the market. You can order yours. I'm still rocking the prototype, and it is awesome. Pair it with an offset optic with one of their hex caps, and 
it is great. No glare, no reflection, taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And additionally, you can head over to 100concepts.com, check out their pack scrim, their helmet scrim, all kinds of good stuff going on. The company motto is do good, be dangerous, and live free, guys. Go check out the site and pick up some new gear, solve some problems today. Last but certainly not least, have to say thank you to LARP Labs. Um, you know, these 3M vinyls that, that John puts out are incredible. I've installed a number of them uh, on EOTEX, on magnifiers, on PVS-14s. Um, I even cut one up and made it fit my laser that wasn't supposed to fit, and this stuff is super durable. You can apply it and reapply it and reapply it, and you still don't get any peeled edges, any sticky, goopy residue. It's not a sticker. It's a vinyl wrap. It's 3M, which is a great company. You guys know 3M. Their tape is second to none. Uh, And it is rated for outdoor use on competitive rock crawlers and things like that. They even set up discount code prepared mindset, all one word, to save you 10% off. So you can head on over to the site and pick yourself up a couple wraps for your EOTech, your aim points, your hollow sun, you know, SIG optics, whatever you have going on. They have a solution for everybody. LARPLabs.com. Go check it out today. If you're worried about painting your optic, you're worried about painting your laser, don't be. Check out the vinyl wraps. You can change them with the seasons. They're an absolutely outstanding solution. Okay, so without any further, uh, I guess, delay, right? Mm. Go ahead and get a beer here. We're going to jump into uh, this discussion on everyday carry. Because if you are a... If you're a responsibly, you know, and I guess I'll, I'll even, I'll pause there for a second. If you are a responsibly armed American and responsibly trained, you should be carrying a gun every time you leave the house. And I point that out because while it is not, it is not a legal requirement to seek out training, I think it is a requirement to seek out training. I think it's a, a self-instated directive is probably the best way I can, uh, I can put that into words. If you want to carry a gun for your protection and the protection of those around you, A, I commend you. It is a responsibility that I think more people need to take upon themselves. It's a right. At the same time, it's kind of a privilege. Because, you know, and privilege is a bad word for it. It really is. It is a right. It's guaranteed but you need to treat it, you need to think of it as a privilege. You need to treat that right with respect and not abuse it. And what I mean is you need to be well-prepared and well-trained with that firearm. Accountability is the single biggest part of being a concealed carrier. Now, is that the only part of everyday carry? No, it's not. And we'll get into the other pieces of it, but when everyone thinks of, of carrying, at least in the context of most of the discussions that we have here on this podcast your mind goes straight to a couple different places. Usually appendix carry, concealed carry, firearm, clock. These are all trigger words that bump into your mind when you say, you know, oh, what's your everyday carry? Now, you have to think of it as a privilege because if it gets abused in today's, and I'll say in in the scope and context of today's political climate, there are politicians there that are looking to take away at every opportunity this guaranteed right. They want to wipe the Second Amendment off the books altogether. So if you are going to take upon yourself the responsibility of carrying a firearm to protect yourself, your loved ones, and those around you, you have to be accountable. 
You cannot. You will suffer the consequences, and by proxy, some of us may additionally, when laws get passed, if you are not accountable for those shots you made, the life you, you ruin may be your own. You may end somebody else's life. It is a serious, serious endeavor when you talk about, yeah, I'm going to get my CPL. And I think people take it very lightheartedly. They think, oh, I'm going to just carry a gun and it's going to be badass because I'm carrying a gun. Ironically, those are the same people that turn around and like uh, are usually afraid of carrying with a loaded chamber for the first three months. And I know that because that was me. Um, I was very into carrying a gun and I was very apprehensive about carrying with a loaded chamber. It's something you have to get used to. I understand that. I'm not going to eat anybody's lunch about it. As long as you're working towards it, um, I'm okay with that. You know, But if you go longer than 90 days and you aren't seriously pushing yourself to get comfortable carrying with a loaded chamber, uh, you need to look at a couple things. A, did you choose a good holster? You know, Look at the why you're apprehensive. Is it just an irrational fear? Because that can be remedied with a couple of simple you know, considerations. Um, you know, like modern firearms don't just go off. So your Glocks, your M&Ps, your, uh, I would say SIGs, but those have some weird QC issues. Um, even your Springfield Armory stuff, um, I'll loop some of the, the Ruger carry stuff in there. Those don't just go off. Now, if you're talking about older firearms with thumb safeties and things like that, like, yeah, those can have some issues. And um, if your peace of mind is just that you're scared and apprehensive, like, Look at the technology and the science behind how striker-fired firearms work, and no no big deal. But if you're still worried about it, why? If it's because you have a cheap holster, Uncle Mike's, that's the one I was thinking of, Uncle Mike's. If you have a cheap holster like an Uncle Mike's nylon holster with a little stupid strap that clips over the top of the gun that you bought for like twelve ninety five at your local sporting goods store, hmm, you should probably not be carrying a gun. You really shouldn't. Um... Because after you buy that gun, the first thing you should buy before you go out and get a crazy optic or a light or ammo or even training, you have to get a quality holster. You have to have a safe way to transport that firearm while it's on your body, Um, whether that's outside the waistband or inside the waistband. Um, I spent probably the first year, eh, nine months, um, that I was carrying my M&P Shield Gen 1, I spent carrying outside the waistband. And I would just go out of my way to wear hoodies and button downs and baggy t-shirts. Um, cause I was not, I guess I was not convinced <laughs> that, uh, inside the waistband, not even appendix yet, right? We're not there. <laughs> that inside the waistband, uh, was going to work for me. Um, now eventually, yes, I tried, uh, uh, in the waistband from a company called multi holsters. I had a sales guy at, uh, it was MC sports here in Michigan, which is, I'm pretty sure now out of business. I think they're defunct. Um, but he carried a Glock 43 appendix and, uh, we were actually out shopping for Lexi's first gun. It was a Springfield XD. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty slick holster setup. And he was very comfortable carrying it and everything. And you could hardly tell. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe I should look into this. So I got a multi holsters holster, um, and mag carrier. And I carried at, you know, strong side four o'clock for a while. And then eventually got the courage up, I guess, <laughs> to, uh, um, I, I, you know, move up to appendix carry right around the time that I bought my Glock 43 X, um, was when I made the serious commitment and, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to go 90 days. That's kind of like the, the good window. I think I'm gonna go 90 days carrying appendix. And if at 90 days, trying with this holster, uh, with a concealment wedge, um, with the, uh, 
you know, American Eagle jeans. Uh, they have like the stretchy um, material and everything and a quality belt. If I do the, 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 the pre-prescribed right things for carrying and if I'm still uncomfortable after 90 days of like daily carrying, I will concede it. I'll say I'll just say it's not for me and I'll go ahead and I will give up. Now, fast forward, I only carry appendix, um, so clearly it, it's, you know, you do the right things, um, you'll have the success that you're looking for, not only in the performance aspect, but also in uh, the administrative side of things. So, and I guess that's a good point to make when we're talking about everyday carry. Now, if you want to carry a gun, there are some considerations. Like we just said, the first thing is a good holster. In my mind, you have to carry Kydex. To me, you have to go Kydex. Uh, I know, I know, there are a lot of guys out there, and they just they love their leather holsters. And you know, for some of these larger, heavier guns, like a if you're really dead set on carrying a 1911 or a 2011 or a Sig P226 or something, okay, you know, maybe leather is the way to go for you. Maybe it is. Um, I don't carry and never have or intend to carry any of those firearms. If you're carrying a modern polymer fighting pistol. So basically any Glock, um, most of the SIGs, the 320 line, the 365 line, right? Whether it's the X or the macro or the Legion or any of that goofy shit they do, the MP shield or MP compacts or, you know, whatever, any of that stuff, you should be carrying in Kydex. It takes an incredible amount of heat, more than what you're going to get from just your body heat on a hot day to mold the Kydex. So it is fit to the trigger guard, or if you're carrying the weapon light, they, they retain off the weapon light. But because it's a hard material, nothing can press in on that like uh, impression right for the for the trigger, and nothing is going to accidentally discharge that firearm, which is the problem with Uncle Mike's holsters or not using a holster at all. <clears throat> um, those are huge problems, you know. Go with Kydex. Um, currently, I carry with a T-Rex arm sidecar. 2.0, right? Um, and it's been great. I also carry with a spare mag. You can, I don't know, bitch, moan, complain. Um, I think a lot of dudes have jumped on the, I'm going to carry a tourniquet bandwagon because it is now interchangeable on that holster model, right? You can now punch out the little pin. It's not really a little pin. It's actually a large pin, but you can punch that out and you can put a, a tourniquet attachment on there in lieu of carrying a second uh, magazine. It has become really in vogue uh, to talk about how you're a more well-rounded individual and a more a more prepared individual um, because you carry a tourniquet on your holster and, you know, criticize the people that don't. So here's my thoughts kind of getting into that. Yes, I think you should carry a tourniquet. And I also want to remind you that we found creative and acceptable and comfortable ways to carry a tourniquet before the team at T-Rex figured out how to do that with their holster. Now, me personally, I like to carry a spare magazine. And here's why. When you have failures with your firearm, typically, in my experiences anyways, as a civilian, now you can tell me as somebody who's in law enforcement or in the military or whatever, that you've had different experiences and you're wrong. That's fine. Make your own decisions on what you carry. In my experiences, when I have had failures, it is due to two things. Ammo and the magazine. So magazine meaning either the spring or the follower. Or in one very just awful instance, because I bought cheap magazines, um, the magazine like lips themselves spread apart and wouldn't hold ammo. 
but I digress. Um, so if I were to get into an altercation, an engagement, if you will, right, a gunfight, and my gun were to go down, I would want to be able to just drop the mag and know that it's not my only ammo source. And therefore, if it's, you know, a bad batch of ammo or something, because I basically, uh, with the shield arms mags, they're 15 rounds. So it's essentially one box of hollow points, not entirely, but, you know, um, if there's a bad batch of ammo, cool, it's in that mag. So I can get rid of that mag, I can do attack reload, and I can retain that mag for later if I want. If I'm not feeling it, right, you know, you just drop that mag, fuck it, and go to reload. I have 15 more rounds, and whether I have one in the chamber still or not, that's still 15 rounds to fight with. If I don't have a spare magazine, and there's that kind of a problem, if that mag goes down, because honestly, mags wear out, especially if you're one of those guys, you bought a... I don't know, uh, a Gen 3, right? I uh, got a good deal, right, on a used Gen 3 Glock 19. Great. And you're training with it a bunch, and you're shooting with it a bunch. Here's the physics behind how magazine followers and springs work. Keeping your mag loaded all the time does not wear out the spring. Keeping the, la- the mag unloaded all the time does not save the spring. The constant loading and downloading of that mag, whether it's just putting ammo in and taking it out or loading the mag and then shooting and then loading again and you're training a lot, those springs can wear out. So if you're somebody who bought, who did the, I'll say fiscally responsible thing, right, and went out and you bought a Glock, it could be any gun, it could be a Canik uh, or Yannick, however the hell you pronounce that shit, um, and I have one, they're actually really cool guns, uh, it could be a Smith, it could be a Ruger, God, I hope you don't go buy a Ruger, Uh, but any of those guns, you buy the gun and it comes with two, maybe if you're lucky, it comes with three magazines. And five years later, you've only ever used those three magazines. And if you don't think that can happen, uh, Chris from Odyssey Training and Consulting was on the pod a couple months back and had somebody show up with a 1911 to class and one magazine because he's never needed more than that. Um, so it does happen. There are those people out there. Like, as dumb as that sounds, um, go back and listen to that episode, and Chris tells the story. He literally had to work with a guy by le- having him shoot no more than eight rounds at a time and not work through any reloads because the man brought one magazine to class <clears throat> on an eight-shot 1911, of all things. So let's say you only have those three mags, and you wear the shit out of them, and you're only carrying that gun in a tourniquet, Right? And that mag, uh, you go to draw the gun and, I don't know, pull the trigger and it goes click. What do you do? Tap, rack, bang, right? So you slap the shit out of the base pad of that uh, that magazine to make sure it's seated, right? And as you go to rack that slide, right, then you just after you smack the shit out of that base plate, the magazine just flies apart. I, I've heard of it happening. Is it rare? Uh, I mean, relatively, yeah, but... I have seen magazines just come apart and the spring shoots out the bottom and all your ammo just spills out like Skittles. Well, now you have no magazine and your ammo is all over the floor in a life or death situation. Now, we can talk statistics, we can talk numbers, we can talk likelihoods, we can spin this however we want to, folks. But my thought is I don't ever want to be in that position. If that were to happen, I want to go, oh, fuck, and I want to go grab that second magazine and go to town, and then I'll beat my own ass for not taking care of my magazines later. That's where I want to be. You can always carry that tourniquet, right? You can carry that tourniquet in a dedicated plastic uh, holder or, or holster or carrier, whatever, in your waistband. If you're carrying appendix, you can carry it like 
weak side um, at uh, eight o'clock, whatever, um, you can shove it in your back pocket. Hell, they now have, uh, I believe it's, I want to say it's Snake Staff Systems is the company that makes the EDC tourniquet, which is like, it's all the same effective applicable dimensions of a tourniquet, of a, a cat tourniquet, um, but it's it's the just the bare minimum, so it's like the size of like a king size Snickers bar, or maybe just like a regular size Snickers bar, and you can just shove that shit in your pocket. It's that easy. I was just out uh, in I, w- I went out with uh, Josh and the families and and stuff uh, last weekend, and you know he's he's living that dad life, so he had the cargo shorts on. And he was like, you know, I, I just brought those up. I don't even remember what we were talking about. And he's like, oh yeah, here you go, check it out. And he had one, and I was blown away at how small they are. And if just to top it off, that company, if you use one of their tourniquets, like real life or whatever, they will they will replace it. So there's two really good reasons right there to go with them. A, it's effective as hell. B, they'll replace it if you have to use it. And you don't need a dedicated holster or carrier or anything for that shit. Um, I know some people used to take like the rats tourniquets and run them through their belt loops. That seems like an awful big headache every time you have to take a leak and every time you get dressed in the morning or whatever. But if that's how you run it, then, you know, cool. You can you can have a tourniquet and still have your, uh, you know, your extra magazine. Additionally, I know a lot of people, I'm, I for one, will carry in a, I'll carry a sling bag. If I know I'm going to be going to like the zoo or the outlet mall or, um, you know, going someplace, I don't know, where we're going to be walking around a whole hell of a lot for several hours and I won't be near my vehicle. I have a sling bag. It's a uh, Vertex uh, Commuter 2.0. And I have a 3A, yeah, uh, the pistol rated soft armor insert from Premier Body Armor that goes with it that they made, I'm pretty sure, specifically for these line of uh, Vertex bags. I'll carry a bag with me. Now, I don't, and I get this question sometimes too. I don't advocate for off-body carrying. Um, it can be effective. So ladies, uh, like Lexi does, we got her one of the Vertex, um, like the large uh, fanny packs. I forget what they call it. I think it's a sock P. We got her one of those for Christmas and like a, a custom-made holster that's Velcro-backed and everything that goes in there. And, you know, with ladies' fashion being uh, what it is and guys listening, if you have a girlfriend or you have a wife that carries or is trying to carry – you know the the pain, right? You know how difficult it is for them. Uh, they cannot carry, you know, a full appendix rig uh, Glock 17 the way some of us can. Um, so, yes, there are some constellations that have to be made there. Um, now, I think the 43X or the 48 from Glock, right, are both really, really good options in what they provide in being a little, you know, smaller frame handguns while still giving you enough capacity to fight with. So Lexi carries a 43X has a light on it and that fanny bag is or fanny pack or sling whatever the sock p it allows her to carry her firearm off body but still in a point where it's very accessible and it's also extremely difficult to take it from her um, one of the things i advocate against a lot is purse carrying and i know there are some there are some people who are fairly squared away out there that advocate for this um, female shooters and things like that i'm not saying that it's not a it's not a feasible solution i just personally don't like it because you know i i see i observe right how people how women right walk around with their purses and how loose they are with it so if it's somebody who is not as vigilant and aware of their surroundings all it takes is somebody to snatch that purse now you've lost your gun now a you're defenseless b somebody has your gun and you don't know what if they even know that it's there 
Um, it's a whole, it's a whole big problem. I don't ad- advocate for that. I mean, if it's all you can do, then it's all you can do. Um, I know there's a lot of, unfortunately, the market I think kind of panders to women who want to carry. So you get like, there's some good ideas. They're like the concealment band, um, so you don't have to wear something with a belt to help support and carry your concealed carry holster. But you know, I mean. These like these garter holsters that don't have any rigidity to them or the belly bands that are entirely elastic. The only way I would say that, you know, for ladies that are, that are listening, the only way you should really consider that is if you're able to insert a Kydex holster into it, like strip off the hardware or something and be able to either Velcro in or, or, or pin in or something, that, that holster that gives you that solid retention. But more importantly, it gives you the solid trigger protection. Um, that is, um, that's, that's, you have to have that. Um, and that's what I don't like about all these elastic things that we market to women. Um, we'll put a little crisscross and a bow and some lace and things on it. And it's like, yeah, it looks girly, but it's not effective. It's not safe because there, again, there's nothing protecting the trigger. And I know there's, I think it's Raven concealment might make like a trigger guard, only piece of kydex with a with a lanyard tether so when you go ahead and maybe you could use one of those in conjunction with it so when you draw like it it pulls out and you know comes off and you can get to the the trigger and everything i don't know how you want to rig it up i just don't advocate for those things um carrying in like a sling bag is about as far as i go for off body now me personally i'll carry the the sling bag i have an insert from maxpedition gear that carries two magazines um i've and a separate insert that actually carries like an Israeli bandage, a cat tourniquet, some shears, and then two or three glow sticks. Um, just in the event that something were to happen at night, you can crack those and leave those around you. So then, you know, if you are calling for help or something, you can let people know, Hey, I'm, you know, I popped this colored chem stick. This is where we're at. Come get us. We're out in the middle of a field or, uh, we're at a concert venue or a movie theater with no lights on or something, you know, God forbid, any of those situations, you have a chem stick. Um, I also have, in a, the beyond that, um, I have a bunch of gauze and some basic like boo-boo stuff that I keep in the front pocket along with like a battery pack. Uh, the very, very front pocket, I have like a roadmap and a compass and things like that. So um, I, don't, I don't find a ton of call for it. I don't carry that bag with me every single place I go just because as somebody who works from home, um, I don't find myself on extended trips. I, I live in a very suburban area, so um, my my jaunts, <laughs> I guess, uh, out into the real world, uh, they aren't very extended. Um, and if they, if I should need something in my vehicle, I have a four person med kit that has, uh, you know, I have a cat tourniquet, and then I have enough gauze, I have enough hemostatic agent, uh, I have boo-boo supplies and all that good shit for uh, three three to four people, depending on the, the situation that's in my vehicle at all times. <clears throat> so, um, and that's if I'm at the grocery store, I'm within, at any at any one point in time, I'm within 200 yards of that vehicle. Um, you know, so I, I feel okay doing that. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will argue, you know, hey, you should have more on you. Well, okay, um, I'm going to disagree with that um, because for the large majority of us, what I just rattled off is going to cover you. Um, Now getting beyond the getting beyond the firearm piece of it, or actually sticking with it. Let's, there's a couple things we can jump into. If you're carrying a gun, um, if you're carrying a gun for self-defense, my personal theory on a couple of these things, and again, 
just my opinion, is you should set yourself up with the best platform you can for your circumstances to be, to be accountable and successful. I think those two terms, accountable and successful, have to go hand in hand here. So what I mean is you should be running a red dot on your pistol. I run a Hufflesun 407K on my Glock 43X, and then you should have a weapon light. Now, not every carry gun, you know, some of us are still rocking Gen 1 shields, the regular Glock 43, uh, Glock 43X and 48 that came out pre-MOS, so they don't have a rail on them. Um, there's very limited pickings on what you can do for weapon lights. Uh, the TLR-6 is what I run. It is a 100 lumen light. It is not ideal, but it is something so I do make a point to carry that. And Lexi has one on hers as well. Now, given that she doesn't have yet a dot on her pistol, and if some of you guys can't afford a dot or milling or any of that stuff, high-vis sights, high-visibility sights on your pistol, especially for a concealed carry piece, you got to do it. And they're, it's really easy. They're like 60 bucks if you get Mariglow. You don't have to go Trigicon. You don't got to spend 100 or $150 on the Trigicon sights. You can get the $55 or $65 uh, Ameriglow sights. I think they're the Hackathorn ones uh, with the blacked out rear and the bright green front. Um, Trevor carries a uh, Glock 19 uh, on his battle belt, and that has, uh, like, we were all blown away at how bright that, that front sight was. You know, some of those sights are actually really, really good. Um, a lot of stores, too, if you're not buying from a big box store, a lot of the, the shops will install the sights for you if you buy them from them for no extra charge because at least on a Glock and here's one more reason to, to buy Glock that front sight post doesn't shift you just screw it into place your uh, windage is all controlled in your uh, your rear sight and as long as you have a sight pusher tool which you can get for like 60 bucks on on Amazon uh, for you know just a, a basic and and good enough one for those of us who are like you know um, home taught gunsmiths like myself it 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 works just fine. It's super easy. You push out the old plastic Glock sight and you push in the blacked out rear. It's very, very easy. But you should really be looking at a red dot sight. There are enough of them out on the market now for concealed carry applications specifically. Um, there's just not an excuse. You know, the 407K that I got from Holosun, it's not even $200. I mean, it is, but I got it on sale. I think I paid like $198.99 for this optic and then it cost me $150 to have it milled I didn't do anything else crazy with the milling I just did like standard black Cerakote where they milled it and left everything else factory I mean you can't beat that I think I had, a, I had a, like a $100 uh, or $150 in Amazon gift cards so I think this the, the optic cost me like 50 bucks and I just $150 for milling and I had it in like two weeks time it is no big deal very very easy um, you really should. I mean, I would, st if, if there's anything I would say to stick away from, it's the SIG Romeo Zero, I think, is their like micro pistol dot that's made entirely out of polymer. You don't see too many people running them anymore, and it's probably because of the durability issues on those. I think they did recently, or semi-recently anyways, come out um, and release like a metal shield that, that or shroud, I should say, that, that encompasses the optic. So that might be a little bit better for you. Um, and if you're talking about carrying, you know, micro pistols or uh, subcompacts, whatever, uh, the RMR concealed carry, RMR CC, um, really expensive and actually kind of large for what it's supposed to be made for. Um, it has a relatively small optic window. 
again, given that it's supposed to be like a concealed carry optic. Um, if you want to go that way, I mean, knock yourself out. Uh, Trijicon makes a good product. I have no qualms about the reliability or functionality of it. I just think if you're going to pay $500, it should be a little bit better than that with a little bit larger window. Um, this is just my my personal opinion. Now, the Holosun EPS is also getting some love in that regard. Um, if you're carrying a lar- slightly larger handguns like Glock 19s, basically everything else, um, Glock 19s, P320s, uh, M&P compacts and stuff, you're basically looking at the standard or what I'll call... It's not really a standard anymore. There's so many offerings out there. You used to only be able to, you used to only look at the Trijicon RMR and then the Leopold Delta Point Pro. Like that used to be it. Um, and most people would ignore the Delta Point because it was a larger window, which was great for duty belts and things like that, but not great for concealed carry. So everyone was basically looking at the RMR. Now you've got uh, the 507 series, the 508 series from Hollow Sun. Um, the 509T is what I run on my Glock 19 with no, that's the enclosed emitter. <clears throat> um, Aimpoint has their Acro P1 and P2, which again, enclosed emitter. Um, Trijicon's RMR, they just released the, I don't even know the acronyms for you. They just released their, uh, their like next gen RMR and their enclosed emitter optic, which kind of looks very similar to the Hollow Sun short of that they put giant buttons on the side and it has a top load battery for a change, which is really, really neat. Um, and that's something to consider, you know, for all pistols is like, if you're buying an optic, you really should make sure that it's one that has, uh, either side loading or top loading batteries. Um, you do not want to be taking that optic off to change the battery, putting it back on, and then you have to re-zero all over again. It's a huge pain in the ass, especially when there are comparable offerings on the market that don't require that. That's a very old and outdated notion. Um, now, <clears throat> since we're talking about this, you'll notice I didn't really say too much about the Vortex optics. Vortex has like uh, their new uh, Defender red dot which i've heard mixed reviews on i heard some people say there was like flickering with the dot i've heard some people say it's great and they really love it and you can give that a shot um obviously the lifetime vortex warranty is it's hard to beat it's really hard to beat um so if their quality control is there and maybe some of these reports from some of these louder voices in the community are were just one-offs that could be a very very strong offering however any of their other stuff um the Viper, the Venom, uh, whatever, the Razor, what their little, their micro red dots, I think they have two or three of them that are out there. Um, not great. Um, I've had a buddy who's, his, basically, it lost all, um, it wasn't very tactile when you were making your windage and elevation adjustments, your turret turns and stuff. Um, so you kind of had to guess at it and be really like ginger and gentle with it to kind of try and feel the, the notching um, when you were making your adjustments. Now, uh, he did contact Vortex, and they did say that they would go ahead and be happy to replace it for him, but that's also been my experience with one of mine. So uh, take that for what you will. You know, you can get them pretty affordably, but honestly, if it's that versus Hollow Sun right now, in that very small and specific piece of optics, I would probably go with the Hollow Sun um, just because they have a better track record. The 508T is damn near indestructible, and it costs like less than $100 more than the, those uh, the cheaper Vortex offerings do. Um, and that's just my experience. Like, I shoot with guys that run a 508T. I have a 509T. 
I have an RMR, uh, Josh runs an RMR, you know, so that's what I have experience with. That's not like a dig on Vortex. I'm just telling you my personal experience. Um, so when you're talking about that stuff, that's hopefully some helpful information. And yes, uh, we did have like Brian Valise on from Slytac training and stuff. And we've had discussions with multiple people about weapon lights. You should carry a white light on your weapon at all times and also an administrative light. For a weapon light, um, there's a ton of options out there. I know Holosun has one now that a lot of dudes love. Streamlight's TLR1 and TLR1HL. I love those things. I really, really like the controls on them. Um, they're a little bit goofy looking, but they work really well. If you have the HL version, in my mind, you, you pretty much have to go with the HL, given what the rest of the market is, because the regular TLR, TLR1 is only like 300 or 350 lumens. And the HL jumps up to a thousand, so for like an extra fifty bucks, you're getting over triple the output. Um, it's well worth the investment. Um, there's the X300 from Surefire, which a lot of guys like. Um, I was not crazy on the controls when I got it. I did add like the gas pedal mod from uh, Emissary Development, and I love that setup now. Um, and that's just your your basic uh, X300 Ultra. I know the Turbo, which uh, Steve, one of the guys we train with, he runs one of those. And my God, the hot spot on that is ridiculous. Um, basically, stick to Surefire and Streamlight, and you'll be fine. Um, Hollow Sun's not bad. I've heard some guys like Nightstick for their for their pistol lights. Uh, I've never personally tried one. Um, I will say, as with a lot of things, avoid Olight, guys. Um, I've heard of failures with the Olight stuff. Uh, holster compatibility ends up being a real issue, especially if you're running something other than like the big three. If you're not running Smith, Sig, or Glock, if you're running like an H&K with an Olight, well, okay, you probably could have bought a Glock instead of the H&K and then turned around and saved that money and put it towards a better weapon light um, or do what you want. I'm not your real dad. I can't tell you what you have to do, but that's how I would look at it. Um, but I would avoid the O light. It is very goofy and don't, don't get these other like knockoff lights or like the weird ones they saw on the racket, you know, like field and stream, the Nebos and stuff like 45 bucks guys, a good weapon light is going to cost you at least a hundred dollars. Um, the days of finding a TLR one for sub hundred dollars, it seems like are well past. Um, I have, or had three, <clears throat> and uh, I got one of them, I want to say for like 75 bucks, and it was just the TLR1. And I thought that was a really good deal, um, but I won't go back. You know, it'll be the TLR1HL or probably the X300. I know Cloud Defensive is working on their pistol light, so it could be something else to keep in mind. Um, but as you get out into those newer lights, just understand if you're carrying, if you like to carry Kydex, some of these companies won't have those holsters readily available. Um, for a little bit. Now that has gotten better in the industry. <clears throat> Some of the influencers and top companies like Tier One and QVO and T Rex and stuff, they get early releases so they can start manufacturing holsters because that's companies finally figured out, right? Like, hey, um, people aren't going to buy these until there's holster support for them. So let's go to the big dogs. Let's get them these lights, get them in their hands, and get them producing these holsters so that when we're ready to unveil it that same day, you know. thanks to technology we can go ahead and roll out you know the holster line and the light and everything all together and then it has the support and there's you know people people don't have a reason not to spend the money but i digress um if you're carrying an administrative light and you should your your cell phone light does not count you really should be looking at something with at least five or six hundred lumens um 
it's good for administrative stuff. Uh, if you are using it in lieu of a pistol light, you pretty much have to have something that allows you to retain that weapon light. So like a theorem switchback, little finger ring that goes on. Um, you can manufacture your own out of some string. Um, I think the... There's a couple of companies made like rubber rings that are specifically designed for this, but you should have some retention and you should have something that's at least 500 lumens. Um, currently carrying a Streamlight Polytac that I've had for like eight or nine years. This thing is actually uh, holding up really well for its age, um, but it's like 600 lumens and it runs off a couple of CR123s. Um, cost me ooh, 50 or 60 bucks uh, eight or nine years ago. You know, um, and that was like my first real light, um, worked with the, with the theorem, did that research. I, I made sure that that worked and everything, um, and never looked back. Now I know like the G2X Fury or something like that from uh, surefire is a pretty common one that people like. Uh, I don't really like the stiletto. Some guys love the surefire stiletto. I don't find it to be particularly, uh, convenient when you're trying to shoot with it. Um, I know Cloud's, M I think it's the MCH from Cloud, that's, I think, pretty much like the handheld light, you know, for tactical applications and stuff, and they, they got some, like, dual fuel options and duty options and things like that, um, but really, if you're talking about handheld lights, you know, Surefire, Streamlight, again, kind of dominate the market, and then Cloud. Um, now, you can, because it's just an administrative light, you can get away with some of those cheaper brands like Coast or... Um, I guess, Rayovac or something, just understand that you need to look at your measurables, check out the lumens, check out the candela, and then make sure that they run off of, you know, you know, I try to line up all my gear to run off the same batteries when I can. So if they run off CR123s, I know I'll always have a ton of those around because my, my rifle lights and stuff run off of CR123s. And then you just buy one type of battery, you stash it in all your kit, and you're good to go. You know, some of these uh, administrative, like, basic lights, they only run off a double A. Um, and we've all had those moments where we're, like, you know, <laughs> uh, spelunking through the uh, junk drawer trying to find the last pack of the double A's to try and make sure you can have your admin light and still have it run. Um, I know there's a lot of smaller lights. When we're talking about EDC, like Lumen Top and Okluma and stuff like that that are, those are more, like, it's more like pocket junk type of EDC. And I don't, I don't mean that in like a, a derogatory way. It's just there's a very strong EDC community of guys that do custom knives and watches and crazy titanium flashlights and stuff. And they're just really into the utilitarian impact that they have by having these tools on them. And it's awesome. Like, honestly, best damn EDC. Uh, Taylor, if you go watch, I'll go watch his like YouTube videos and stuff. If you have an eye for and an appreciation for good pocket knives and good watches and maybe even good flashlights, you'll be absolutely fucking blown away at the cool shit that some people have. And it is badass. But if we're talking about this in the application of our day-to-day -day life, it's somewhat less important. Um, we are less concerned with... Um, you know, the kitschy cool, you know, factor, the, the scales that we put on our knives and things like that. Um, if you want to get into that stuff, you know, like I have some custom knives and I have customized some knives and there's a really great shop here in Northern Michigan called way of knife. Um, that every time I know I'm going up that way, Northern, Northern Michigan, Traverse city, I will make sure I bring a knife with me, um, because they do amazing work and they have a very fast turnaround time. So I own, I've bought, I've gotten th two knives from them 
and I've had two customized by them. No, three, sorry. I own four knives from them and I've had three of them customized. Um, you know, like acid etching on the blade just to make it look more distressed. And like, I, you know, I, I appreciate a really good pocket knife, you know, and I think if we're talking about EDC that you should have a good knife, not necessarily for self-defense purposes. Like, can it be used in that application? Yes. Obviously any kind of pointy object, a ballpoint pen, um, you know, a broken beer bottle, uh, a pocket knife, any of those things can be, can be used, right. For defensive purposes. Um, but I find that carrying a pocket knife, obviously in my day to day, I use it mostly for opening Amazon packages. Um, and honestly, what I bought at my last trip up to Traverse city was a, uh, Leatherman, uh, free P2. And it was like 200 bucks. And I was like, you know, I can remember my dad when I was growing up, he had a Leatherman and I always thought it was kind of cool. Like you got like what, 18 tools in your pocket and everything. And they're kind of heavy, you know, so I was not very sold on necessarily needing that. But I'll tell you what, when I'm in the fall and I teach marching band and stuff, um, <clears throat> and we get into like, we had a, uh, we use a patch cord to run our metronome to the loudspeaker and we'll run the speaker behind the kids and then we'll run the, the cord up to where we're sitting in front of the, the drum line and we'll plug in the metronome there so we can control it. And, you know, we have a really, really long patch cord, but it was made out of thermostat wire and it's old as shit. So we had to resolder it and having that there to use the pliers um, and like the blade just to hold some stuff down and everything. It was really nice to have it. And you've, you end up finding a lot of uses and a lot of applications for something like the Leatherman. The screwdrivers are you use those for more things than you realize. Um, the bottle opener. I mean, obviously everyone likes to have a, a beer every now and again. Um, the blade, the blade is functional, you know, it's 440 steel, which is not the 440 is not the nicest shit out there. It's actually kind of crappy, but it holds an edge and it is easy enough to sharpen again. So who's going to complain about it? You're using it as a knife for utility purposes. Um, you know, if you are looking for, uh, a good knife to carry for utility purposes, a good knife, not a great knife, not anything special. You, I, I, I will preface this by saying you're going to probably end up spending somewhere between a hundred and two hundred dollars. Okay. Um, for me, the sweet spot, um, I have a little bit larger hands, but my sweet spot in terms of a knife blade length ends up being approximately three and a quarter inches. A little bit less, a little bit more, yes, but three and a half ends up being too big. Um, I will say that much. Um, then you, you also probably have some state laws that come into play and stuff. But if you look at companies like Spyderco, um, Spyderco makes some good knives. I know some guys really hate on Spyderco, but I've never had a bad experience with them. Um, Benchmade makes a damn good knife. I know there was some shit years ago about them cutting up some confiscated firearms with a bandsaw for a local police department. Everybody freaked the fuck out and said Benchmade's anti-2A. And if that's how you feel about it, I'm not going to get into it, but if that's how you feel about it, don't buy Benchmade. I will say I think their prices are a little bit steep for what I will say is probably a lack of innovation. Um, that's just just my opinion. I know a lot of guys love Benchmade, and they make a damn good knife. I've not had any issues with my Griptilian. Um, it's been fine. Um, you can also look at Columbia River uh, Knife and Tool, or CRKT. CRKT makes some great knives. Um, I know the M16 line has like 50 variations or something. I know a lot of guys really love those and have deployed with them. Very, very good knives. They don't always make like the best, uh, or use, I should say, the best uh, steel. But I have a CRKT tuna 
Um, I used to know the designer's name because I loved it. Uh, Lucas Burnley. That's what it is. Lucas Burnley, the tuna. And I love that knife. I bought the upgraded one off of bladehq.com with the better steel and the, uh, the nicer scales and stuff. And man, I used to, I carried that thing every day for a good long while. Um, now if you are looking for something, I will, I will make this caveat for two reasons. I I would say plan to spend over a hundred bucks because if you spend less and get a great knife, you'll be just happy with it, but don't go in looking to spend 40 and get pissed when you have to spend 80. Um, and also people get all butthurt over buying Chinese and I get it. But if you are looking for some seriously good everyday carry knives, look at Civivi and Wii. Wii is actually the parent company of Civivi. Um, and like, honestly, probably one of the best everyday carry all around knives is the Civivi Elementum. It is very non-concerning, just the way it's designed. It just looks like a normal pocket knife or like you what the form factor is very similar to what you might expect a pocket knife to look like. So people don't get alarmed, you know, like when I pull out my, you know, Spyderco Paramilitary 2 and it's got like a, you know, three and a half inch blade and flick that thing open, people are like, oh, geez, what's with the sword, you know, or, um, you know, uh, I have a Kaiser, uh, God, I can't remember. It's, it's got a giant cleaver blade on and I'll flip that thing open and people are like, Jesus Christ, why do you have that? So, um, Civivi makes some great knives. They're very consistent. Their quality control is very, very top notch. Um, and it's smooth action, like really, really good stuff. And they're using some decent steel nitro V and stuff. They're not just using all D2 steel anymore. Um, so some of those smaller Chinese companies are actually, I mean, I listen, if you're looking for a reliable everyday knife, you might just have to suck it up on that one or pay more money to get something. It seems like honestly, the American knives lately have more quality control issues unless you're buying a custom, but custom knives are from different makers can go anywhere from 400 up to, you know, $4,000. Um, so if that's your price range, like, dude, you do you, man, like ball the hell out. Good, good with it. But, um, you know, if you're on a budget, I would say Civivi and we are some good starting places. There's some lower end spider co's, um, the one that I actually end up staying away from a lot, and a lot of guys jump straight to it because they were the king of bargain knives for so long, is Kershaw. And it's because I have gone from loving that speed safe action um, where it's like spring loaded when it deploys to not wanting that. I want a manual flipper. I don't want the blade to accidentally deploy in my pocket. Um, it I think it only happened to me like one time, but my dad had it. And I don't know if it was a Kershaw for sure. I can't remember. Um, he bought two. Uh, you know, spring assisted in knives when we were in Florida, when I was growing up, took out a couple trees and or large shrubs in our backyard, threw them in the back of his truck, sat on the edge of the bed and was tying them down. And then, you know, jumped off the side of the bed and slid down. Didn't realize that his knife had opened up in his pocket and cut its way through all the way through his jeans to the outside. And he put a 16 inch gash in the side of his truck and took that thing down to bare metal. And it cost him like he had a buddy that worked at a local dealership paint shop who was able to get him taken care of for like $450. So that $25 knife that he loved cost him $450 because there was no lockout on the the spring function. Now the one sir, the one uh, Kershaw I have that I still have in the rotation is the Kershaw leak. Um, one, cause it was a gift for my wife Two, cause I actually really love the design. It's a Ken onion design, but three, because it has a lockout bar on it. So you can slide that out of the way and then flick it open and you're fine. When you close it back up, you move the bar back and it's not going to open up no matter how many times or how hard you, you press that little detent. So, um, my thoughts on that, 
Um, and I, I think the last thing that really kind of, if we're going to talk about everyday carry, um, some of you guys saw I recently posted online was I bought a new watch. Um, I think I think everybody should carry a analog watch. That's probably not going to be popular with everyone. Oh, but my you know my smartphone my smartwatch pairs to my smartphone, pairs to my earbuds, and then I can listen to music and control it from my watch instead of my phone, and I can take phone calls and text messages on my watch and get updates, and it tracks my steps, and it's like, okay, good for you. Fucking great. If you like your smartwatch that much, then I, I mean, I don't want to pull you from it. I don't want to say, hey, you shouldn't wear that, but um, for as much as people get weird about being tracked on their cell phones, I uh, your watch is just as bad, if not worse. <laughs> so, um, think about that. B, if there's ever an EMP attack, um, your smartwatch is gone, right? Um, and yes, I mean, traditional analog watches, if it's a quartz movement, a battery quartz movement, like a lot of more affordable timepieces are, um, then yeah, you're, you're kind of out of luck there as well. But, you can swap out that battery. You can't swap out batteries anymore on cell phones or on smart smart watches. They have to be recharged. And if you have a power bank in an emergency situation with a finite amount of charge in it, <clears throat> what are you going to be charging up? Your GPS, your cell phone, or your watch? I mean, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much power to be spread around. Um, and I also, I just, man, I really appreciate the look of a classic timepiece. Um, you know, and if you look at automatic watches, those are like, they're self-driven basically off of like you wind them up, um, your own movement and motion throughout the day. Uh, there's like a weight in there that kind of keeps things moving and rewinding. So you can go long periods of time. It's your everyday watch and you probably won't have to rewind that thing for a good long time because most modern ones will hold time without being wound again for like 40 to 50 hours. I think, um, don't quote me on that number, but because they're, they're driven by that motion and everything like that, that entered that kinetic energy, no battery. They're not an issue with an EMP. Also, and I I posted about this on Instagram before too. You can uh, take a look at the uh, you know hour and minute hand and bisect those, and that's gonna the opposite of that bisection is gonna be north for you um, when you look at the sun and stuff. So there's there's some survival capabilities there. You can take you can break it apart. You can use the the crystal glass in it as like a signaling mirror or um, things like that. You know, but I I mean I don't know that I would necessarily do any of those things. I just personally, I really like the look of a good watch. And it says to me anyway, you know, cause this is all just my opinion, right? Um, to me, it says that you're a more mature individual. I know there's a lot of people that love, uh, their smart watches and I'm sorry if this offends you or upsets you, but I really like the analog watches. I do, you know, uh, GBRS put out a video recently talking about all the watches they've collected and they had some digital ones. Um, they were not smart watches. They were G shocks, but that's the other thing too, is the durability piece. Um, you know, G shocks and some of these other watches, uh, you know, they are, they are built to get the ever loving shit beat out of them and keep going. Um, Smartwatch is not exactly known for it. And 
smartwatches are like they're not even waterproof i'm pretty sure they're like water resistant up to like 12 feet or something or 15 feet so there's always the off chance that if you go swimming in a lake or something um, or even just have a bad qc job on yours you can be you can totally ruin your smartwatch Um, and not all of them the older ones are not waterproof at all they're water resistant and they just tell you not to get them wet so that's that's also a consideration um, some of these nicer automatics like dive watches and stuff are rated for up to 200 meters which is for most of us unless you recreationally go diving you're never going to need that but i know i like knowing that i have it so um, if you're looking for recommendations on good watches like i i'm probably not the best person to ask obviously if you can afford a rolex like good for you man and go get a fucking rolex um, I will say the Submariner is like their, their you know like top dog and has been for a while. But because of that, um, prices on even the secondary markets are getting vastly inflated. Um, and I've also heard that Rolex won't even sell to certain people brand new um, at in their stores and stuff. If you're not on a list, if you don't know somebody, so it's it's kind of getting. Uh, it's kind of, it's getting so bougie with some of the Rolex stuff. And again, this is what I've been told. I don't ball that fucking hard. So I don't, I don't own a Rolex and I probably never will. Um, but that's all something to think about. You know, one watch I would love to have would be like the Omega Speedmaster 007 edition. I think that thing is sharp as hell. And I, again, it's like a $10,000 watch. So, um, both the Speedmaster or the Seamaster are, uh, are, are, I'm sorry, it's the Omega Seamaster 007. The Speedmaster is also a very sharp watch uh, with a tachometer um, <clears throat> or tachometer um, on the, the bezel and everything. Um, but again, you know, if you're looking at Rolex, you're looking at Omega, uh, those are, they're pretty expensive watches. Um, if you have a couple hundred dollars to spend, you know, around five to seven and you want to buy a decent watch, you know, um, Tissot makes good watches. Uh, you might build like a used tag hewer, although I've heard mixed stuff on those. Um, if now, if, if you are looking for a budget watch, right? If you were to say, Austin, I want a everyday driver. I want it to be something I can beat the piss out of, not worry about it, and still provide good like waterproofing and reliability. The Casio Duro, um, and it's got the little picture of the Marlin, you know, just above the six o'clock marking. It kind of looks like a, it's like a cross between the Rolex Submariner styling, um, but with like the 12 o'clock, in, uh, of like a Omega Seamaster. Um, so it kind of crosses that it's got enough of its own individual personality to not be just like a total rip, but they're like 50 bucks and they come in a variety of types. You can get, you know, all blue with a, uh, blue bezel with a blue face, black with a black, uh, you know, black bezel, black face. You can do a black face with uh, a blue and red bezel. They call it a Pepsi. Um, you can get with a blue and black bezel. You can get it all green. You can get black and gold. And they come with these chintzy rubber straps, which are appropriate for diving. So if you're in and out of the water a lot, it's great. But if not, go on Amazon. You pick up the little uh, little fork-looking tool thing for like 12 bucks. You just pop. It's a little spring-loaded pin. You pop them out, put the pin back in there, and you can run your own NATO strap or Zulu strap or whatever through there. You can pick those up for like 20 bucks on Amazon. Then you can change the look all you want. Um, I think the Casio Duro is a vastly underappreciated watch uh, because it's only 50 bucks, but it's quartz movement, so it keeps great time. It's battery powered, so you don't have to wind it or anything if you wear multiple watches for work or something like I used to when I worked in front of people. Um, 
you know, I would wear a different watch every day. I had like five or seven of them that would rotate through. Then, you know, it was something I had to wind. I had to make sure I, you know, uh, you had to fight with the crown and, and set your time every day. Now that's the other thing worth mentioning. And this is something at least the Casio Duro has is the screw down crown. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, when you look at your wristwatch, there's a little dial on the side, right? Sometimes it's on an angle. Sometimes it's directly at like the three o'clock and on basic wristwatches, cheap ones like Armatrons and like Timex, like the crappy Timexes you find at like Target and stuff. You just pull that knob out, right? And as you spin it, you can change the date. And if you pull it out a second time, you can spin it to set the the time, right? Now, if you have to unscrew that, right? Screw it counterclockwise uh, a couple times to get that, like, it's almost like the tension just lets go when you get to a point and then you can start pulling out on it. That is a screw down crown. Why that matters is because that crown, where that inserts into the watch itself, is the only place, unless you have just a horrendous QC job, it's the only place water can get into your watch and compromise the mechanics of your timepiece. So if you have a screw down crown, it is generally a pretty good rule of thumb that is going to be waterproof to a greater distance. It's going to be more reliable. It's generally a better made watch because it has a feature like that built into it. Now, nothing is guaranteed, but that's something I pretty much look for now with almost all of my timepieces. If I'm going to be out, you know, uh, wearing them out for anything short of a very special occasion, I have a couple that don't do it. Um, but you know, if you're looking for something reliable, um, you know, I can tell you, I have watches from citizen, Citizen makes great watches. Their Echo Drive, their solar-powered uh, system that they put in theirs is really fucking cool. Um, the one that I got, I have a Nighthawk that I got as a gift from my wife when we got married. And I just leave it on the windowsill because it just, as long as the solar power, I never have to worry about the battery. Um, you can also look at, you can look at Fossil. Um, a lot of people love Fossil because they have great sales and they have some flashy designs and stuff. Um, and I did too. At one point I went through that phase where I bought like three or four fossil watches and thought I was doing great. Um, they're really not that amazing. Uh, they do offer like a dive style watch. You could check out something like that. They have a hybrid smartwatch that's like half analog, half smartwatch. Uh, and I wore that for a little bit. I got one as a gift and kind of got, again, just a little disenfranchised with that. Um, you know, I have a, a Movado that I wear for, for dress occasions. I have a Shinola watch that I wear for dress occasions. Uh, I have, my first automatic was actually a relic, um, that I, it's very, it was a very thick body and there was no face to it. So you could see all the inner workings, which I kind of liked. I probably just need to change out the band on it. Honestly, the nice thing with the automatics though, is as long as you get them serviced, uh, you know, every five or 10 years, they'll last for a good long time. You never have to change out the batteries. Um, so it really just depends on your, your personal budget, your personal tastes. I did just recently pick up, it's a glycine, uh, combat sub glycine is a company that's been around since 1914. And I wanted, I wanted something that had a little bit of history to it. You know, the Tudor and to, and to, so like those are good companies. And a lot of the good watchmakers have like pedigree to them. They want, they have like a lineage, you know, um, they go back even further than 1914. But I first came across glycine when I was, uh, perusing drop.com, uh, you know, pre, uh, pandemic drop.com. They used to have cut like short runs. They would do custom, uh, runs of, uh, production knives. Um, you know, so they would have, you know, from one knife company like Ferrum Forge or something, um, they would have a knife maker, like come with a design and they would do a limited run. 
the bedside caddy that I have that organizes seven knives and three watches and a bunch of my other shit, like an everyday carry organizer. It's really fucking cool. I got it from drop.com. But when I was on there, I found the glycine combat sub and they had like three or four offerings, uh, with the, like all stainless steel body, I think, um, with the blue and red bezel and then the black and uh, blue bezel. And then I want to say there was like a black and red or something like that or black and brown anyway i was like wow it's really interesting so i looked up glycine and i'd kind of wanted one and then they sold out of them and you know with drop you used to be able to sign up for restock uh notifications Um, and if you guys have been following drop some of you guys who may be into edc drop kind of killed off their edc business i don't know why um they transitioned all the knives and like special flashlights that they had that they would sell from like lumen top and like um, EDC titanium combs and like all this like really like kitschy cool like little niche stuff if you were into you know pocket junk and everyday carry and everything um, you know custom leather wallets and stuff like that they kind of killed that they moved most of it if not all of it over to an Amazon store site which people kind of I mean it's I still have trouble navigating what's left there and drop basically transitioned over to an audiophile com, uh, company and I don't mean audiophile like hey we store your your shit in the cloud like hey we make really 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 retarded expensive like stereo system type stuff and headphones and then we make really really nice keyboards not even like gaming keyboards for like crazy use I don't think but like, maybe they are I have no idea I haven't really looked into it that heavily, but they got rid of all of their EDC stuff. So, um, you know, I was still very taken by the glycine combat sub. Um, and it, it thought about it, you know, periodically, whatever, and actually went to Costco with my wife and wound up finding, uh, in their jewelry case, uh, over a year ago, like they had them for 300 bucks. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's actually like a hundred bucks less than they had it on drop. And, man, that's kind of a sharp looking watch, you know, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe, and I can't, you know, I always thought about it, right, you know, but never quite did it, well, then up recently, I noticed they dropped the price like 60 bucks, so it was like $238.99 or something like that, um, and then I didn't even realize, like, I, I just decided I was going to pull the trigger, go get it for myself as a birthday gift this year, and when I was there, noticed they put the star on the price tag, which, and you guys that shop at Costco, you know that, if there's the star on there, much like with the Bud Light, they are not. They don't. They're not going to restock that item after they sell out of it. So I ended up getting for three hundred, two hundred. I'm sorry, two hundred thirty-eight dollars plus tax, right? Uh, a watch that goes for four to six hundred bucks, um, and I got the absolute last one that was in my Costco store. Um, it's an automatic. It is now my daily driver. Um, it's on the Instagram page. You guys want to check it out, but. Um, you know, as we talk about like gear and kit and spending money on things that matter, like you can say it doesn't matter. It's just a watch. And if that's your attitude, I would just say, go buy a Casio Duro. They're sharp as hell. If you manage to break one, if you manage to just like totally fuck one up, they're $48, go buy another one. You can find them on sale at Walmart for like $12 sometimes. They're, they're fucking outstanding watches. They really are. But if you are somebody who is looking to have quality, uh, that you care, you want to carry quality, right? You have a decent handgun with a decent optic and a light, and you have a decent knife, and you want to carry a decent watch. Then go spend some money on one, you know. And and I really do think you should try and carry this, you know, wear the same watch every day if you can. It's great if you're a collector and you want to have 12 watches or 15 watches. Cool. 
I went through that phase. Um, I have probably 15 watches and I can tell you that I actually wear like five of them. Um, and that just depends on, you know, like one has a brown leather strap, so I'm not going to wear it with a black suit. Um, one's got a stainless steel band. Uh, just depends. Like I won't wear that in the summer cause I just don't like how it feels when I'm sweating a ton. Um, but you know, have an everyday carry watch, have a, have a decent timepiece that costs a couple hundred bucks, like a good, you know, uh, echo drive citizen is probably your best bet for, you know, bang for buck. Um, and wear the shit out of that, get something reliable or get a Seiko. Seiko makes a lot of automatics and quartz movement watches that you can have at a pretty affordable price. And Seiko is a powerhouse name in, in watches, you know, it doesn't have to be a Rolex or, something like that. Now, yeah, you could take a Rolex and, oh, in a pinch, I can trade a guy this Rolex for his car. Yes, you could, but, you know, at the same time, that's a, a that's an awfully large investment to make to the tune of, if you have to have a Submariner, probably 18 grand for that watch, secondhand, right? To, or to have that and wear that every day in the off chance that you are in a life or death situation and have to trade away the watch. Now, I mean, if you've, if you're someone who's like a top tier operator and you've had to, you know, be in the situation with that kind of concern, then tell me I'm wrong. And, you know, for you, it's different, but for the rest of us that really don't need all of that, don't need to think about it, you know, like I said, citizen, tutor, uh, to sew, um, gosh, there's so many decent brands out there. I would just, I would stick away for like, I, I really would don't, don't buy a Timex, don't buy an Armatron. Um, you know, I just, don't, don't go cheap, you know, and don't go for, you know, one of these companies that makes a a clone like Olev or something with a a goofy crown that has four points instead of five. And they basically make their watches for $120 to look exactly like a Rolex Submariner. Um, don't go buy a shitty knockoff because you're just going to have to spend more money in another year or so on another watch when that one breaks and you're not going to get any fucking warranty service on it. Not to mention, uh, pretty much everyone's going to give you shit, I think, right, for wearing a knockoff Rolex. Um, If you can't afford a Rolex, hey, not many people can. So, you know, that's fine. You don't have to get it. You can go get a tag if you want to spend a couple grand on a watch. It's fine. Movado, Bulova, those are both good watch companies. The Bulova Marine Star was one that I was looking at. uh, That's actually a pretty sharp-looking quartz movement uh, dive watch. There's a lot of options out there you know, avoid Invicta. Uh, and I say that <laughs> telling you how much I love this glycine because the Invicta did buy glycine. Um, but they're, they're different brands. Glycine, they have some quality control issues and they, they're always one of those companies that's like, Oh, this is a retail value of $700, but it's marked down 83%. So it only costs you a hundred dollars or something. And it's like, is the watch really worth that much money? And this is a great sale because it's always like this. Or is it just a watch that's really only worth $100 and you're just marking up the MSRP to make it seem like you're getting a good deal? So for that reason, a lot of people love and hate on Invicta. And honestly, some of their styling stuff's kind of a bit uh, douchey to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, have a quality watch. There's a lot of good uses for it. You should always know what time it is or be able to tell what time it is. I think reading an analog clock of any variety is becoming a <laughs> uh, ancient skill, unfortunately. Kids only know how to read digital because they just use their phones for everything. Uh, in my mind, a phone is just that it's a phone. It should not be your clock. It should not be your stopwatch. Um, it should not be anything other than just a phone. Now, if it offers those other, those, you know, other functions and cool, but don't rely on it for everything. Otherwise when it goes down, 
and it will go down, or you lose it or something, or you crack the screen and step on it or some shit, then you're completely screwed. So um, hopefully this uh, gives you guys like a little glimpse into kind of like what um, what I carry every day. So I, I do carry that the Streamlight uh, Polytech every day. Um, that's my go-to light. Um, I rotate through pocket, uh, pocket knives. There's just... Like I said, Spyderco, Kershaw, I have one Benchmade, Kaiser makes decent stuff. Um, you know, there's a bunch of options out there. Civivi, Wii, CRKT. Um, as long as you get something with decent steel better than, like, better than D2 um, and not 9CR13 or 8CR13 um, or 440, don't get any of those. Um, but, like, RPM9 is not bad. Nitro-V is not bad. Any of the S35s and stuff, those are all pretty good steels. You're going to pay a little bit more money for them, but those do get pretty fucking sharp, and they're nice. Um, look at Spyderco. You know, I would say it's, like, a good entry model for anybody is, like, a Spyderco Tenacious. Um, real knife guys will hate that, but if you're just looking for a casual good knife to carry, the Spyderco Tenacious for about 50 60 bucks is uh, hard to beat. Um, and then just carry the good holster, whatever you want to carry. I don't want to like ever, when people talk to me, you know, outside the podcast and they're like, Oh yeah, I carry a, a Ruger, you know, LC nine. Like, okay. You know, I mean, you bought what you bought and there's a ch- pretty good chance you're not looking for somebody to tell you why you misspent your money and why you're a fucking idiot and everything. So I, I won't try and eat, you know, anybody's lunch over the decisions they made, but if that's the decision you make, A, just be proficient with it, but B, carry in a good holster and carry some medical with you, whether that's in your, you know, your sidecar appendix rig, that's in your belt loops, in your pocket, whatever. Um, so hopefully this is, uh, you know, um, a, a cool refresher for you guys, uh, kind of hearing how things have changed a little bit. I think the last time I did one of these, I don't believe I had a red dot on my pistol. I know I didn't have a light on my pistol yet. Um, I was not carrying in a sidecar. And <laughs> I definitely was carrying, I don't even know if I had a daily watch that I was wearing at that time. That's kind of been a new development in the last couple of years, like picking one watch and carrying it every day. But there's, you know, reasons for everything. And, you know, yours will probably be a little bit different than mine. But I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, you know, just a, a little catch up on, on something that I think is a constantly evolving, just like we, we talk about carriers and kit and helmets and all that stuff. And it's constantly changing and constantly evolving. So is our everyday carry. So, you know, this is where I'm at with mine. I'm sure in a week or two, something may change. I don't know. I'll get a different knife or I'll get a different flashlight. Something will, something will change, but Hope you guys enjoyed it. That's all I have for you on this week's episode. Thanks for sticking around and checking us out. Again, head on over to our Instagram. If you guys want more information on this, you want to see the watches that I, you know, the watch that I carry, the knives that I carry, uh, you know, my carry gun and things like that. It's prepared underscore mindset underscore pod on Instagram. Go ahead and check out what's going on there. Give us a follow. Obviously, that helps us out. Then you can also head over to patreon.com. Check out our Patreon page and support us there as well. But until next time, folks, that's all for me. You guys get out there, hit the range, maybe go pick up some new gear for yourself now that you have been uh, enlightened by my brilliance, of course. Uh, But until next time, folks, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. Be prepared.